Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Suing. I'm Jackson. Hello, and I'm Claire. And we will be the host for today. Before we begin, let me run you through the history of Akin. Akin is an independent marketing firm dedicated to helping brands unearth their authentic voice, helping them build meaningful relationships with their customers. The company clinched six awards at the Marketing Agency of the Year Awards 2020, an award that recognizes top-performing marketing agencies in Singapore. In May, we launched our Akin monthly podcast series called Akin Life, where speakers are invited to share about marketing-related topics. Our first three sessions focused on debunking agency myths, understanding the mechanics behind market research, and various marketing frameworks. As for this month, we'll be focusing on branding and content strategy. In this conversation, we have invited four full-time Akin staff to share their experiences working in the marketing field. Our branding expert, Chris, our content experts, Miranda and Hanson, and a design expert, Kenneth. Let's give them a warm round of applause. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Maybe everyone can give a short introduction of yourself. Maybe share your name and what you do at Akin. Miranda, would you like to start first? Yeah, hi everyone. I'm Miranda. I'm a content strategist here at Akin. I handle most of the content uh, projects here. I also advise on branding and I help our clients with um, creating a strong and um, appropriate brand image for their marketing needs. Uh, maybe I can go next. I'm Hanson. Hi everyone. So I'm a brand consultant with Akin and what I really work on day to day is on brand consultancy and intervention projects where we figure out where our clients can really fit in a more digital economy. Hi, I'm Chris. Uh, I'm the brand in Akin, so I'm mainly responsible uh, for brand integrity and strategies across um, marketing initiatives. Um, specialized in branding and graphic design and I did the overall brand creative efforts at Akin. I'm Kenneth and I'm the creative lead uh, in Akin and I work pretty closely with Crystal uh, make sure all the designs and uh, illustrations uh, you know is suitable for the clients and, and, and with the brand as well so yeah everything to do with design and illustration can come to us our conversation today will focus on branding and content strategy sharing on content design and branding tips so before we begin our podcast i would like to share that we'll be opening the floor for discussion at the end of our sharing so dear listeners do keep your questions if any till the end when we've reached the q a segment so now, I'll pass the time to Jackson, our host for the first segment of the day. Hi everyone, we're really excited to have our content strategies from Akin today to share with us some of their experiences with content. So when most people talk about content, they think about um, copywriting. So is it the same or how is it different? Let's ask Miranda, our senior content strategies to weigh in. Okay, so this is a question that I think, you know, a lot of people ask when it comes to content strategy, right? So co- copywriting to me is a set of skills that um, we perfect and hone over time that allow us to create great copy and in turn create great content. But when I think about content strategy, it's really about um, utilizing that great content that we create and cre- and building an ecosystem which allows us to meet certain marketing or business needs as well. So your content um, basically is structured and created in a way that facilitates um, that whole process of driving towards your business needs and your goals. So um, while they're definitely very interlinked and it's very important if you want to create great content to have great copywriting, they are not exactly the same thing to me. So um, in a sense, I would say copywriting would be that foundation that you need like to strengthen in terms of creating um, 
relatable, you know, and exciting content that people love engaging with. But content strategy is about creating that infrastructure or the architecture on top of it and um, building that flow, you know, so that um, we are intentional about how we push out content and where the content goes to. And most importantly, who we're speaking to. Okay, thanks for breaking that down for us. It was definitely interesting to see how different the two can be. And we believe that all of us are more familiar with what content is now that is different, really different from copywriting. So given that, what makes a good content in Akin? Any tips on creating it? Or perhaps Hanson, you want to answer this question? Sure, but uh, maybe before I go on to that, I'll just want to add on a bit on Brenda's um, pointer earlier. So I think one of the main reasons why at Akin we always call it content strategy versus copywriting is we see content is not just in terms of long form or in terms of writing itself. So I think it go across various types of content. So that includes video content, narrative, visual content, infographics. So it's no clear marker saying that this is something that's based on language or writing, right? You're just basically communicating an idea or process to your various consumers and clients. And I think having that idea and clarity in thought of what you're trying to say across the various medium is something that it's, it's more the top line strategy level. That's why we do call it content strategy as well. Um, yeah, so maybe back to your question on Jackson. I think to us, good content is content that needs to satisfy a few key criteria, right? Because majority of the content that we create for our clients or in general, they tend to need to serve a business objective. And when it serves a business objective, it needs to be a clarity or purpose. There needs to be clear, distinctive value for our clients. And I, that's something that we drive for in the content. Content is just that it's just easy to read or nice to read. Like, you know, things like creative writing and all, it's great, but it doesn't necessarily satisfy the client's um, goals and business needs. And therefore, I think that's what we differentiate between business writing and maybe more generic writing. Yeah, Miranda, any thoughts? Mm, yeah, I think that's definitely, um, you know, aligned with me in terms of my view of good content. I think what is also extremely important is to have a good understanding of who you're speaking to and to provide really those kind of useful content or resources that people will want to consume. So, um, for instance, here at Akin, um, we are also quite data-driven in the way that we approach content. So before we actually create any, any sort of content, um, we will always do a deep dive to understand, you know, um, through an audit, for instance, like what is working right now, what kind of colors even, or what kind of copy is working and what isn't, and who um, is the content speaking to. And we also really want to look at those cultural nuances and those cultural insights, as well as data points which allow us to better understand the psyche of our audience. And from there, we, we then build basically a content strategy that speaks to um, the people we really want to reach. So instead of sort of like having an idea or an, um, an overarching sort of um, guess um, of like what you know our readers or our viewers would want to consume, we actually do the work to find out what the right type of content should be and how to value add to them. I think the most important thing is that in, in the era of social media where you know content, um, you're basically flooded with content. So how do you vie for that short um, one to two seconds of a person's attention, right? That, that's where value really comes in. How do you understand your audience well enough so that you can offer value and um, basically allow them to stop their thumbs and, and to actually click in and read further? Okay, yes, that sounds, that, those sounds like really a great gut reels. So um, after talking about um, what makes a good content, let's talk about ideation. So what are some ways people can jumpstart fresh concepts and stories when they are put on um, 
when I put in like difficult situations or they have uh, any uh, difficulties in creating. Well, I guess, you know, um, as creatives, you know, you have a chat full of four creatives today. And I think all of us can attest to the fact that uh, at some point or other, we always um, find ourselves in creative ruts. You know, you have like, you know, an issue idea thing. And this is something that creatives uh, constantly face in their careers, right? Like um, on a day-to-day basis, we, we do have to sort of create those opportunities so that ideation can come in a more free-flowing and a more... Um, organic way, but also in a structured way such that it answers, you know, the briefs that we need to uh, respond to. So I would say um, what has really worked for us is um, open conversation and sharing of ideas, not just during work, but even out of work, if we see something that, you know, has um, an interesting, um, it's an interesting thought starter, we see um, content out there that we we like ourselves and we are inspired by, we take that time to really share that content and pass it along to our colleagues and you never know, you know, who it could inspire along the way. So um, on a, that's sort of like on an ad hoc basis what we do. And then um, at work, when it comes to brainstorming, we have several basically brainstorm frameworks that we use, which we have found pretty effective in terms of generating ideas and also ensuring that we're not going off track. Yeah, uh, maybe one of um, the designers could chime in on this point. Yeah, um, of like ideating and, you know, brainstorming. How do we actually come up with ideas? Yes, I'm cold. Would you like to answer this question? What we will do is to, you know, gather in a, in, in a small group. Um, best if, if it's not just the designers. So that we just come together with an agenda set in place. And then um, um, basically everyone already did their research beforehand. And then when we come together, it's, it's more of like throwing in that... that uh, all your ideas and then we just diverge from all these uh, different ideas. Um, a few key uh, ideas that we thought might be useful to bring forward and then from there, I think that's where we can actually develop it more into that, that, that four to five key ideas and then um, eventually developing into that, that key concept that we actually want. So um, what I would suggest is not to just limit yourself within just designers itself but actually to expand it out even the marketers or even um, even I don't know your, your business director or you know just involve everyone in, in, into the group you, you might actually get uh, pretty interesting ideas yeah. uh, maybe I could add to that as well so in terms of myself how I actually get about of, of the rut of a creative process is right. I like to not confine myself within the office space so typically as creatives you know there are certain timelines your colleagues expect certain kind of work processes from you within a certain pe- pe- uh, like within a band of time, but sometimes I think taking yourself out of that timeline, out of that physical space, will give you fresh ideas. So for myself, a lot of my majority of my campaign ideas actually come in when I'm not at work itself. So it'll be when I'm at home taking a shower, when I'm at the gym working out. When my mind is at some other place, ideas tend to come a bit more naturally. So what I like to do is I always have this like uh, digital notepad or Google's Keep, and then I'll just start writing various ideas that come to my mind that I can use and play with later on. So even if it's not related to concept, as long as idea pop in, I'll just store it. And, you know, this can be actually used as a, a basis for brainstorming later on. And I think another good tip that as creatives we can always do is that um, rather than sitting down on the chair and trying to figure out what is this big concept about, I think it's always good to think about what the problem your consumers are facing or your, your clients are facing and take one step back. What is one key crux to this problem that people need to overcome in order to achieve this? And having a very clear understanding of what this issue is that comes 
slightly before your problem itself, it gives you a good starting point to understand your audiences better and a very good um, point to really start spinning various concepts that are related to this. So for example, we talk about um, global warming. One of the ideas that I, I actually thought of is like the whole idea of sweating. In Singapore itself, we don't think about global warming because it's very far away from you. You don't actually feel the effects of global warming. But the idea of sweating is something that's very personal to you. You feel it on a day-to-day -day basis. And this becomes a starting point to discuss um, some ideas and campaign ideas of global warming. So this is an example of how we can go about um, really start creating new forks um, for different ideas to come up for campaign expression. Okay. Um, that was really like a really good tips um, from not just the content strategies but also the design strategies. So we have come to the end of the content segment. Let's pass the time to Claire who will be hosting the next segment on design. So speaking of stories, graphics and illustration tell the other half of the story, Let's move on. Let's move the conversation over to our Akin designers. Chris, what do you think is the role of design when it comes to storytelling? I think the ability to articulate words through visual um, is a very powerful and intimate tool. So for us, as we um, as we see brands as humans, every individual's love language is different. And the role of design here is, is really like showing through physical touch than words of affirmation. Yeah, I feel like a good piece of work that um, story tells builds up on empathy emotionally and um, design helps in a way we, we communicate with the audience in a different visual lens. I see. And what are some common misconceptions about being a designer? Can I have any thoughts? I mean, I, first of all, I can see like uh, there's quite a few creatives in, in the chat room, right? So um, maybe um, the creatives or in, in general, uh, not just the designers, uh, maybe everyone of you can relate when a non-creative actually say like, I can do this in five to ten minutes when they see your design. Um, so what, what I want to debunk here is uh, as simple or minimalistic some designs may actually seem, that looked like it probably took someone 15 minutes. Um, the truth is, it actually took, um, there's a copious amount of uh, research, knowing where to research, like uh, Pinterest, or even like, you know, they, they have like a library of uh, previous uh, uh, visuals that they have collected over the, the uh, number of years. Um, even conceptualization, uh, sketching, revisions, experimentation with colors. You don't just pop out the color from, uh, from from your brain and then um, oh it, it also takes uh, hating the project so you, you must hate the project first and then you will love the project again because you you know you develop more feelings for the project right and then uh, the different layouts the typeface treatments um, executions and then uh, adjustments to get to that final polished piece la. so there's never a perfect piece you always do a lot of revisions you know you go back to a client internally we do a lot of revisions also and then I feel all in all is the experience over the various projects and pictures that help the designers uh, make their design decisions. La. So overall, I feel the misconception to go back to the main core is, you know, like people will just think like, hey, designers will just, you know, some things like that can take five to 10 minutes or like 15 minutes. You, you, you can do it in an hour or something like that. But I think the idea behind it is actually we, that there's this process to go through and and uh, knowing this process will help uh, you know create that 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 um, better communication between designers or, or creatives in general um, and with the other roles yeah uh, maybe if i could just be a nosy body and chime in here as well um, 
even though I'm not a designer myself. But uh, I, I mean, working with designers at Akin, I think a very important skill set that people tend to overlook about designers is that they think to be a good designer, you just need to have good aesthetic sense and be able to actually create beautiful works. But I think it's a lot more than that. Because at the end of the day, I think having design skills is just part of the artillery of creating a campaign or creating and bringing across your idea, right? So in terms of being to express and um, maybe justify some of your design decisions, as well as having a good understanding of how your design fits into the larger marketing um, ecosystem, what role does it play, what is it trying to achieve, and what is it supporting? I think having a good uh, grasp of all the various details, all the workings of how marketing and comms go about, it's very important to be a good designer. If not, the design in itself is just going to be a pretty piece of work that doesn't serve any purpose. So I think that's something that it's not quite a misconception, but it's often overlooked as skills in being a great designer. Um, not sure if you guys agree, but that's my opinion. Good point, Hans. Yeah, so with design being a subject, very subjective process, how do you tell if a design is effective? I think this is a very this is a golden question, like actually. I mean, like I think good design focus on like the details and and the heart of it. Like as much as aesthetics plays a very big part, more often I think um, usability and sustainability of like design uh, makes a good design. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what's our take, Kof? <laughs> I okay. Like like I feel like first of all to tell whether a design is uh, effective is is it eye catching? Does it look like just another ad or does it like you know pop out out of all the ads that is let's say in Orchard Road you know so first of all I feel like an effective design would be eye-catching okay but it doesn't just end there right so I feel another effectiveness for a design would be a clear CTA so where do you want to direct um, the the you know the viewers or the your, your target audiences to so what's the purpose and the objective of the design and yeah like you know, the target audience and who is it directing to has to be very, very clear. And then I feel another one would be a good flow of a visual hierarchy. So the compositioning, you know, from your header text all the way down to, you know, what's the core product or, you know, what's the, the, the main thing that you want people to get away from this um, design. Um, I think all this, when you put together, it's when you can actually tell if the design is effective. But then again, uh, to actually tell whether it's effective, of course, you, you, you need that data la, to get back, uh, whether it's digital at all, like the OH. So you, you, you want to, at the same time, go back to the data and see whether it's effective. Yeah. I think to add to Cove's point, to me, good design is intentional. So um, good design isn't created by chance. La. It isn't created because, oh, today I have like inspiration, I create something and it looks nice. I think a lot of times, like for me, an effective design um, has thought and intention behind it, like what Kof mentioned about like hierarchy of information, um, choosing the right elements to bring everything together, and you know really knowing what is that objective that you're trying to hit. In creating this particular design, does it meet that need or that objective of this creative piece? That certainly brings some clarity into the creative process. So where do you two draw inspiration from? I feel it's the everyday things actually, yeah, from things we see around the street to the music we listen to or, you know, to the conversations with the, 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 the different people from all walks of life. And then uh, other than that, I think when it comes to the very design, design stuff, we have like Pinterest, la, Behance la, and then ads from the big brands um, yeah, that we see ever so often uh, at the train station or at the bus stop. 
Yeah, so all this like is where I kind of draw inspiration and then like kind of put in my head. But then like sometimes you kind of forget, right? When you actually need it, so that's where you have actually have a like a Pinterest board. Then you put all all the things that you have seen into the Pinterest board so that you can refer back again. Yeah. What about you, Crystal? I agree with Cole. Uh, I think it's an everyday thing. Like it's a it's a habit that it's a good habit that designers should practice, lah. So for example, if a if uh, you have a new client or a new pitch that comes in, you don't have to panic and um, um, find the right um, visual sense and, and brand identity for that client itself. Um, yeah. Okay, so on that point, right, I think about the everyday thing, um, traveling is always a, a good like source of inspiration for me and I think every creative in, 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 in this room right now. Um, like there's a lot more perspective and, and stuff out there that we can touch and look and see and gain inspiration from. Speaking of inspiration, what got you guys started in design? Like, uh, and what, are, uh, what advice do you have for someone considering the profession? Okay, maybe I can go. Um... What got me started in design? So, I mean, long, long story short, I, I previously did like a session. Um, so, it, it started from kindergarten, right? There was this other boy who, who, who designed Batman car. Like, he, he just draw like Batman car and the whole kindergarten, including the teachers, were all like, they were all like amazed like, by his design. And there I was standing like in the background, in the very dark background, right? And then looking very like, like, you know, challenge. So, so what, what I did is I went back and draw and draw and draw so that I can do a better Batman car. So from there, it kind of developed into like this whole idea that, hey, actually, I like to just keep drawing and design. And then when I went to secondary school, um, everyone would just uh, ask me to, hey, you know, can you help me to draw this and then blah, blah, blah. And then that's when I actually realized that not just I like to draw, I actually like to make people's day because after they receive the drawing, they, they feel happy. So there's an impact there, right? So then it went on to that whole idea of, you know, why not I just go to a design school and, and hone my, my, my skills? Right? And then that's where I actually went to La Salle um, School of the Arts and then I did animation because, you know, I, I do want to just have a static design. I want to make the designs move. So it just keeps upgrading from there. And then um, that's where I came to Akin as well to, um, you know, make sure that the designs don't just look good. It has to, you know, have a purpose, you know, have, have you know, a, a, a meaning to, to the clients, to the brands and to the person even. So, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, like, for anyone who wants to do, like, design, right? Like, or, or you know, you, you are already a designer. I feel like you should keep designing and draw leisurely, you know, whether it's digitally or, like, paper, you know, although you waste a lot of paper, but sometimes on paper, it's, it's, it's a nicer feeling. And then uh, if, if you're already design trained, uh, consider like, you know, expanding your, your outside of your design capabilities and talking to people, let's say from marketing or, you know, content or PR, you know, because sometimes it will help you pave, pave the way, you know, the way you design also, because let's say if you talk to a marketing person, they'll give you more insights and that will help you to, you know, improve your design um, further, you know. Uh, and then um, I feel lastly, uh, like Hanson mentioned earlier, 
I feel that a designer isn't just about designing something beautiful or something pretty. Um, you actually have to design like solutions uh, that will not only be great for the brand or person in the long run. You know, you don't just design something, you know, for a short period of time. You, you have to design something that can last for the long run and uh, also for their consumers, you know, not just for the brands itself, for their consumers also, how the consumers will, uh, you know, take from the design itself and how it will actually etch into their memory, like how I walk onto Orchard Road or, you know, to the bus stop and then all the designs etch into my memory. So how can your design etch into other people's memory and, you know, make it be for the person to be like, oh, actually I've seen that before, like great design. And then, you know, all these kind of like rewards that you, you, you take from the people's uh, like comments of like, hey, I've seen it before, good design. All, all this just try for you to, you know, just keep going and expanding your, your, your capability. So, yeah, so that's why I feel the, the growth process for me actually all this one. So, yeah, if you want to be a designer, not so bad, but just, yeah, keep hustling. Yeah. Yeah, Crystal? Oh, hands, yeah. Yeah, maybe I could just throw in my five cents worth as well. Um, I guess as a general creative, right, I think whether you are a student or like, you know, you are um, intending to, po- to to enter this creative profession, I think something that you need to bear in mind is that creative work is actually very, very hard work and it's about continuously working on your craft. Um, so a lot of people like say, oh, it's fun, it's nice, you know, it's enjoyable. You talk about passion, passion, passion. But that isn't what that will keep you really going in the industry. Really going in the industry is really hard work about working on craft every single day, every single month, and it keeps going. There'll be new trends, there'll be new illustration styles, and new kids on the blocks will just keep coming in and coming in. So the question is, what are some of, how disciplined are you in making sure that the craft that you're doing today is going to be continuously improving? I think that is um, something that you need to keep in mind. And it's a very serious truth of the industry. Lah. Um, yeah, so with that, maybe someone can say something more fun now because I'm clearly the dead bird in the team. You just cut me and I don't know what I wanted to say earlier. Sorry, Chris. Uh, what I want to say earlier. Okay, so Kof was saying about like talking to marketeers in other departments of the industry, right? Like, I think the I think creative department itself, there's, there's a lot of um, areas that you can specialize in so like for young designers out there they are like advertising branding graphic design there's UI UX there's even tech so um, if you're just starting out I think it's good that you have a sense and try on like different departments and and eventually I think you'll know like what you like and what you don't want to do and you can um, focus on that area lah. And with the point that Hanson mentioned about passion, uh, <laughs> sorry, I've actually a lot, but um, with passion, I think I started out with a lot of passion, like, you know, being a young designer and like, uh, wow, I get to work on this brand, that brand, I get to um, be involved in all the creative processes. Um, eventually, when your roles uh, and responsibilities add on, your passion, I think passion is still very important, but you have a lot less... Um, mental space to want to take on everything yeah I don't know Miranda and Hanson maybe you can chime in on this yeah I think to a baseline if you're in a creative industry or if you're in a creative role you will need to at least like what you're like the craft that you are trying to specialize in uh. yeah so for instance for Hanson and I um, at a baseline you know we need to enjoy the process of 
creating content and thinking of ideas. We need to enjoy that process of writing, like creating new content. Yeah, but um, I guess when it comes to, you know, really taking it on as a full-time career, then um, other than passion, you need to also be willing to do the hard work. So you need to be willing to, for example, rewrite the same thing for the 10th time and still want to perfect it and still have that desire to make it good. You need to be willing to um, have disagreements. Like you may think this is great, but maybe the client may not think it's great. And you need to have that humility to say, maybe I might not be right this time. Yeah, those kind of are the hard lessons that will come in the way of you and your passion. But it's all part of that job of being a creative. Yeah, maybe just a quick one. Like, um, uh, like if at any point of time, like any one of us like have a creative block, I think um, the best idea would be to not continue the work. You know, just take a good 10 minutes stroll or even like uh, listen to some good music or even like take a shower and then who knows, you wash away all the bad omen, right? And then you can get that whole like uh, creative rejuvenation back to you again. So I think I think the idea here is whenever you design or you, you, you do anything like in the creative sphere, there tend to be creative blocks, but uh, don't, don't you know, keep carrying on and keep hustling through that, that creative block, you know, because you might have a mental breakdown, like, moving forward. But, you know, take a, a, a hard stop and then just take a stroll, you know, ease your mind a little bit. And then when you come back, who knows, you might just have a little bit more creative uh, juices. Um, maybe I could just wrap this up in terms of, like, creative inspiration, right, or wanting to enter this profession. And to all the people out there that we have sort of scared off from design or creative world, <laughs> I think the, the beauty of being in a creative industry or having a very creative role in a, any job that you do, right, it's that it's, it's never a fixed solution and you're always in this state of motion, a fluid um, exploration of what are some of the possibilities. It's always an open-ended answer and if that's something that you're drawn towards about finding possibilities, about getting excited at different ideas, creative industry is definitely something that's for you simply because it's not something that you can get from, uh, let's say, a more technical uh, specialization, right? Something, being in the creative field, is just, it's always full of energy. There's ups and downs, highly emotional, but I guess that's part of the joy, right, that we sign up for as well. So if, if that's the kind of thing that, you know, really gets you going and makes you jump out of bed and say like, oh my god, I have this design, I'm going to go to work and be working on it and hate it the next day, it's fine. That's just really part of the creative process. And yeah, it's, if that sounds like you, then hey, maybe give it a go, right? Advice is very helpful. Thank you, Chris, Kenneth, uh, Hanson, and Miranda. And here comes to the end of the design segment. Now I'll pass it back to Jackson to host the last segment of the day. Wow, that was really uh, insightful tips and tricks from the four of you. So now that we have content and design, right, let's put them together and talk about branding. Perhaps Hanson, you could give us a quick download of what is branding. I feel like I've talked a lot already, but anyway, so a quick capsule or understanding or intro to branding would really be, branding is any form of mental space that you want to occupy from your customers. So be it in terms of what your brand stands for, what your product is good for, I think there are very different ways to approach branding. It's not necessarily a form of a design or let's say a visual, a color or even a tagline. All these are useful things to express your branding, but it's really about the mental space that you have. And I think... One tool that we use at Akin very often is that when we dissect branding, we don't just look at it from a singular perspective of saying like, oh, my brand is like, you know, the most luxurious brand um, for this ABC product. 
right? We need to split it across to various layers of the brand to understand it from maybe a more economical perspective, but also a functional, a mental and social perspective. So what this means is that when we look at the brand, we don't just think about what is the value the brand delivers customers, but what specific role is it trying to solve in that person's life? How does it make the person feel after using the product? And in terms of what is the social standing? What is it supposed to do for the community? Because the product in itself is always not just about the functionalities, but it's this bigger picture, this bigger dream that consumers are buying into. And it's almost like a cult belief saying that I'm going for this product because I believe in its perspective. And I think that's been really changing the last few years as well in terms of uh, what people expect out of brands. They don't just need the product to work well, but they need to be a product that they actually believe in as well. So... Yeah, branding in this sense is, is this entire huge thing about the space that you occupy in your consumer's mind. Um, I guess that's the best way to explain it. I'll ask you something um, deeper. So what is the process of working together to produce a good brand? I think um, in terms of creating a good brand, right? Um, for a, uh, At least for Akin, um, how we look at brands or how we um, think about brands is that brands need to be very much like human beings. So in a sense, brands are not just the logo, the typeface and the colour schemes that you see. Brands need to have that certain value system, that certain um, perspective on things, need to have a personality that people can identify with and people can understand. And that's how you actually get brand advocates because people who believe in the same things as you do will feel aligned with your brand. So in a sense, our human brand methodology um, is our lens through which we look at the whole um, um, piece of branding. Um, the process for us really is to understand um, and to do some soul searching with the brand owners, helping them to understand you know, what are the issues that they face or what are the kind of um, values and mission and that kind of like long-term goals that they want to achieve and how, as a company, they are able to achieve that. Um, through distilling all of these things, um, we then help them to piece together a fuller picture of not just how they want to look like visually as a brand, which many people think branding is about, you know, um, but really from that basis of understanding what the DNA of the brand is fundamentally, we strip everything away, what the brand stands for, who, who the brand is as a person, you know, and then from there, build on it to create the other layers, like the tone of voice, like the color scheme, like the logos, like the, the way the brand wants to represent itself to its community. So I think our way of looking at brand, in a sense, is a lot deeper, like a lot more um, looking at the fundamentals first and then building from there. Okay, um, so here comes my last question for the segment. So the chicken and egg question. So, did the chicken or the egg come first? Meaning the content, content and the design, which one came first? Um, maybe, Miranda, you want to answer the question? Or Hanson, you want to answer the question? Sure, I can take the question. I, I think it's not always a chicken and egg issue, but you really need to look at a brand and figure out what is that mental space, which I think we, we talked about earlier. And from that mental space, you're able to come out whether it's a design or a concept that comes out first. So there are different ways to express a concept, right? And depending on what the concept is, sometimes it's an image, sometimes it's a tagline. So I don't say either comes first. I think it's really about what works for that specific brand and, and that, that mental space you want to occupy. So yeah, it is um, fried chicken egg, I guess. Okay, thanks for the answer. Now I'll pass the time back to Si Ying for the Q&A session. 
Okay, now um, since we're drawing close to the end of our conversation, uh, it's the time to open the floor to our listeners. So does anyone have any questions that they would like to ask? Feel free to raise your hands and we'll invite you as a speaker. Uh, I think Sherry raised her hand. Hi, Sherry. Hello. Uh, before asking your question, do you want to introduce yourself? Maybe your name and what your profession is? Hi, I'm Sherry. I'm in marketing. So uh, my question is, I'm just wondering what is one work that you've done that you're the most proud of in terms of your field, like design, copywriting and branding? Any one of our speakers would like to take the question? Um, I guess I can take this one because I want to go first. Otherwise, it's a perfect eye confirm. Uh, say similar I, I don't know okay, but for me personally my one of my favourite um, accounts is Red Cross uh, it's a blood donor program basically that encourages Singaporeans to um, step forward to donate blood so um, as a team we not only created content but we also looked at the brand and um, proposed you know um, how to bring a brand that was I think at that point um, several decades old already and to give it a little bit of an uplift so that it's relevant to the current generation of Singaporeans that we are trying to speak to. So that whole process was very um, interesting for us because we, we had to preserve that DNA of the brand, but also create a new way to, to communicate and to, and to share the values of the brand with its younger audience today. So... Um, yeah, I think that's something that, you know, definitely is going to be very memorable for me as a project that I've worked on. And on top of that, we also created a lot of very interesting content. Um, we just launched actually a microsite, um, which takes you through the entire journey of, you know, how blood is donated and then processed. Um, so, yeah, quick PSA, if anyone hasn't seen it, you guys can go to giveblood.sg slash explore and, and really like explore that, that whole process. Like. Any other speakers would like to answer the question too? Maybe Chris? What is the work that you have done that you are the most proud of? I was going to answer Red Cross as well. <laughs> I mean, okay, so the three of us are involved in Red Cross. I was involved in the pitch process. And um, Kof is the one um, doing all the collaterals and coming up with like, awesome design mockups. And like, um, if you haven't followed... <laughs> Black Daddy on Instagram. Yeah, it's a new mascot. It's super cute. Yeah. Okay. Any any other speakers got anything else to add? Maybe handsome would be an interesting perspective. Um sure. Um I maybe I can speak from more of a brand perspective. So I think one of our anchor clients right now they're working for brand intervention is is a funeral director company in Singapore. And I think what's really exciting about that is that funeral is something that people often don't want to talk about, but it um it's something that's also very important to have a certain discussion on. So I think working on this project, it really puts a lot of perspective into how to get people to talk about things that they're not willing to talk about and really how to sell a product that nobody wants to buy. Um, so I think working on this, uh, this specific project, I think there were a couple of times I had to write um, various taglines, uh, various key messages, and even write, let's say, an exploratory um, uh, interactive uh, web, web, micro-web page that people can actually learn about death, right? I think while writing it itself, it was quite an emotional journey for me because you start to really think about, oh, wow, there's a lot of things to think about when you talk about death and all that. And the entire process, is, it's also quite a learning journey. So it's not just me servicing a client, but the client's also teaching me a lot about the industry, the profession and all. And I think that's also a very nice learning journey. So I think in terms of like 
interesting cases. That's probably one of it. Um, yeah, I would say that is it. Maybe I'll just jump in like one quick one, um, just to differ from Miranda and uh, Crystal. Um, so so that there was one of these accounts where we work with uh, overseas Singaporeans. So uh, basically, I got to do like uh, designs and infographic uh, to to you know kind of like remind Singaporeans who are overseas uh, about Singapore elements like So you know down to the Singapore food, um, the different festivals and, and stuff like that. So it, it's really heartwarming to to see how all the overseas Singaporeans react to the the visuals and and being reminded that you know there's still a place in home uh, in Singapore. So that's actually one of my uh, memorable accounts. Yeah. Okay, Sherry, did our speakers answer your question? Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for asking the question too. Okay, um, I don't think we have any other questions. Uh, so maybe I'll just do um, the closing for the day. Um, maybe a short summary of what uh, we have learned for today's session. Uh, we have talked about content, um, where we have learned about the differences between content and copywriting. Uh, which our speakers mentioned that content covers an array of formats such as videos uh, whereas for copywriting it's more about the text itself and our speakers also shared some tips with us on coming up with content and it is also actually a team effort where the team comes together um, utilizing brainstorm frameworks to generate ideas and this also helps to gain a better breath as to um, who we are speaking to. We also discussed design, where it is the ability to articulate words through visuals. And designing is not just about aesthetics, but also about how you express and justify your decisions about the design to others. A design has to be clear to the target audiences where it communicates and speaks to them, bringing the right message across. Our speakers also mentioned that drawing inspiration is more of an everyday thing, getting inspiration from day-to-day -day activities, and this is a good habit that designers should practice. And we also had a further glance at the process of working together to build a good brand. Before we end the session, I would like to thank our speakers from McKean, Miranda, Hanson, Chris and Kenneth for joining us in today's session. Also, if you're interested in joining us for future sessions, follow us here on Clubhouse on Instagram at helloakin, H-E-L-L-O-A-K-I-N or follow our LinkedIn at akin, A-K-I-N. And our team at Akin Life would like to end off the session with a quote by John Jens. Branding is the art of becoming knowable, likable, and trustable. Akin Life, be alive. See you again soon. Goodbye.